0: Hey, this is Pastor Adcock from Bible Baptist Church, and this is Miss Darby Bell Adcock. And uh, here we are, podcast number two. Darby, can you believe that?
1: Podcast number two, podcast. answering all your questions. Yes.
0: You know, last week we, well, our last podcast, mm-hmm. uh, we kind of did a recap of the current series, Rivers of Living Water. Yes. And so today we want to be more specific in John chapter five, but we'll, we'll still take questions from any of the
1: Absolutely.
0: things that we've talked about, but... Uh, John chapter 5 is kind of our goal today. Yes. So.
1: Why don't we go over just maybe the, what, what just kind of either paraphrase or maybe we read through that what the story was and then we'll just kind of get into
0: it. So John had Jesus with Nicodemus in John chapter 3 mm-hmm. at night. He has Jesus in John chapter 4 at noon at Jacob's well during the day. So we have light and darkness. Mm-hmm. We still have light here, but now Jesus is coming to a place called Bethesda. And here is this idea there's this play, place of people that are lame, that are blind. Uh, there's something wrong with them. But let's don't forget about the culture. Mm-hmm. They don't have Medicare, yeah. they don't have the hospitals that we, we're used to, they don't have the technology we have. They have a belief system. And a belief system in a Greek god, as Asclepius, mm-hmm. the god of healing, the god of medicine. And so there was this ancient idea that water brought healing. Mm-hmm. So there was this concept that said in Bethesda, if I can be as close to the water as I can, and there was a stirring in the water, the first one in would be healed. Mm-hmm. Thing is, historically speaking, spiritually speaking, we have no claim to that. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it was a pagan idea yeah. put in people's minds, sort of like, may I say, faith healers today. Mm-hmm. You know, and of course, probably get somebody upset about that. But but there's this idea. There's a whole lot more. Let me say it this way. There's a whole lot more falsehood Mm -hmm. in ideas like that than there is truth. Mm -hmm. And so in this context, the man, we're not given his name, has an infirmity for 38 years. In that infirmity, Jesus approaches him of all the people he could approach. He approached this man. And this man only wants to speak about the water. Jesus, is like, I didn't come here to ask you about the water. I come to ask if you want to be healed. Yeah. And sometimes, just just a spiritual idea here. Sometimes our problem in the church and our problem with our Christians speak is we're answering questions that no one is asking. Yeah. So Jesus, do you want to be healed? I had no man to put me in the water. I didn't ask if you want to go in the water. The water's not the healing. I'm the healing. Yeah. I'm the great physician. I'm the great healer. So take up your bed and walk. Now what we're told is this was the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. So this is a Saturday. It's in the Hebrew be Shabbat. And
1: Where no work is supposed to be done. No
0: work is to be done. Don't even push the button on the elevator, right? And so the idea that Jesus says get up, pick up your bed and walk and the Pharisees are there that was big trouble. Yeah. And so you know in fact, you know the scripture says that here in, in, in the text in John chapter 5. In verse 16. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus. That word persecute there. If you look that up. It means to uh, to prosecute. Mm-hmm. They wanted to prosecute Jesus. Because he healed a man on the Sabbath. Now any of these Pharisees. If they had an animal drop in a, in a, in a, a hole. Or it got hurt. They would have no problem with someone taking care of it. Yeah. When it came to the human being. Who has been hurt for thirty-eight years? In their mind, what's one? Other, what's one more day? Yeah. What's one more day of an infirmity? Why couldn't you wait till mo- a Sunday? Yeah. That's their mindset. And Jesus' mindset was, He's better than an animal. Mm-hmm. He's more valuable than an animal. I'm gonna heal him now. Yeah. And and yeah, I don't know, there Maybe you can answer this. But do you think sometimes as a church, as Christians, that sometimes we treat people like the Pharisees do?
1: Oh my goodness, we can't. Sometimes we can't help it, you know, of, you know, we look at these, these Pharisees as these terrible, terrible men. And, and sometimes yes. And the history of the Pharisees, which is new to me, um, was, I forget when, when it happened, but when the idea of Hellenism came in or whatever it is, these righteous men of, of God or the word Mm -hmm. stood up and wanted to keep the law intact and keep that away from the Hellenistic mindset coming in so really these were like the heroes of that time per se there only
0: could be 6,000 pharisees at one time i didn't
1: know that there only
0: could be six 000. and of those 6,000 there only could be 35 in the sanhedrin wow so then there, i don't know what the numbers of were for the sadducees but there only could be 35 of those at one time mm-hmm. so you had a total of 70 and nicodemus was one of those mm-hmm. he was a pharisee of the 6,000 he was a ruler of the jews of the 35 of the Sanhedrin, which we said like last week in our first podcast, it's like the U.S. Supreme Court for the Jewish system. So yeah, you're right. You're right on target there as far as this goes.
1: And if we can, you know, just, and the reason I give that little tidbit of information is these men thought they were doing the right thing. And, you know, we, we hear these stories of, um, we, we kind of see the, you know, the, um, the malice or the, the, you know, the malintention. Um the malinense uh, as we, towards Jesus as we kind of get through more of the gospels and hear the story. but in these stories, these men think that they are ho- upholding the law, and I just I, I, I say that because to answer your question of I just I think that we can really get into that trap of, well, this is what the Bible says, and we, we think that we know what's right, and all of a sudden, we're missing something ginormous that Jesus just wants to come in and help write our perspective.:
0: I have this argument with people all the time. And I shouldn't say argument. I have this, this, in a way, of like a court argument type idea. But there are people who are as passionate about what they believe that's totally opposite of what I believe. I may be passionate about what I believe, but there's someone else who's opposite to me that's just as passionate about what he or she believes. And when those two beliefs come to head, there's a fight. There's a, there's a conflict. There's an argument, in, in essence. And not always like a bad argument, but, yeah. but like you said, iron sharpens iron or this, this idea of this, this conflict. So you have the Pharisees, like you said, we are right. We yeah. have Jesus. We know is right. Yeah. But there's a conflict. And so what do we find at the end of Jesus' ministry? We find the Pharisees saying, we're going to do what's right. We're going to crucify him. we got to get rid of this one who's causing chaos. And so even, even in like Luke's gospel where, well, do you think God's heart would be like this for people because Jesus was being judged because he ate and he dined and, and he talked with what they quote-unquote quote called sinners and publicans? And Jesus said, you want to know what the heart of God is? The heart of God's like a shepherd who leaves the nine-nine to find the one. He's like a woman who lost a lost coin. She tears her house up to find the one. He's like a father who has two sons. One rebels, and he waits patiently for him to come home. That's the heart of God. But that wasn't the heart they had because, remember, the Pharisees were about law. Yeah. Jesus was about relationship. Yes. And that's what we're finding here in John chapter 5. It's about this relationship but it's coming in conflict because the Pharisees like the law says you can't work on the Sabbath. And Jesus says, I'm not working. I'm going about my father's business. And I look at, look at Jesus's response. He says here in verse 17, Jesus answered them talking about the Pharisees. My father works hitherto. And I work what Jesus was saying. He's claiming priorities. Mm-hmm. He's claiming that my father has the prerogative over anything you say. And so to do something on the Sabbath, wasn't wasn't a problem for Jesus in the essence of the things he did. Yeah. And so we find this coming in conflict. What's John about? Okay, we said Matthew's about his words. Mm-hmm. We said Mark is about his works. We said John's about the chronology. What's, what's John? Conflict. conflict. And here we have it. Yeah. And so that's, that's one of the important aspects of this great chapter.
1: I have a few, I, I agree with you, and I, I have a few questions just about this story. Um, so when you said infirmity, mm-hmm. what's defined? Because you know, in some places we can kind of assume yep. um, that he might not have use of his legs, or just kind of what, what, what can we ask of the text of just what is an, infir- what is an infirmity? What does that mean?
0: I, I was really thinking about this week because I had an uncle. I had Uncle Lee. And my mom comes from a large family. Um, if I am correct, there were 15, but I think two died at birth, so a total of 13. One of them was my Uncle Lee. My Uncle Lee was what they would call crippled. Now, my Uncle Lee got around. But he would need braces, or he walked in a, 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 a different fashion based upon how his bones and different things in his legs. And, and sometimes he used wheelchairs, wheelchair, sometimes he, was, he used a walker, sometimes he used braces, sometimes he used canes. But everybody, no matter what anybody said, he had the title, he had the AKA, the crippled. Mm-hmm. And here we have the same kind of issue. Yeah. We're not told what the infirmity was. If you look at the Greek word of the word infirmities, it references weakness of body, weakness of mind. Could this guy, what if for whatever reason, and again, we're not told what age he is. What if he's in his 70s? What if he's in his 50s? What if he's in his 40s? How long has he had this infirmity? And it leads us to believe to a different idea here that yes, he may not have been able to walk, but he may not have been able to walk because there was something else wrong. with it. Maybe his body was too weak.
1: Yeah.
0: Nothing, and nothing really the legs was part of that, but the legs were just simplified part of it. Jesus says, take up thy bed and walk. He says he can't get to the water fast enough. Yeah. It almost leads me to believe as I'm, as I'm kind of, like he has the ability to move, yeah. he just can't move fast. It's kind of like my uncle Lee. anybody anybody want to race him? He they would win every time against my uncle Lee. Anybody want to arm wrestle him? They're going to lose almost every time. My uncle Lee had strong arms, strong hands, and you know if he ever got a hold of you, you know, he could hurt, put some serious hurt on you. But that's based upon how the body worked. And I wonder if this guy kind of had some kind of infirmity where he could move to some degree, it just wasn't with ease.
1: I mean that's that's super interesting because even it says here he says while I'm trying to get in someone else goes down ahead of me so and and what the the people that time would have believed is that it's the first one to the water would that would get yes. correct yes.
0: Yep, so only the first one, yeah. And, you know, they've done different things. Like there was an air movement through the aqueduct that kind of caused bubbles, and people thought that was the moving of this angel. Many people think it was a paganistic idea of from Asclipus, mm-hmm. you know, this Greek god of the Romans. You know, after this, not, not during this moment when Jesus mm-hmm. is here, but later on, Roman, Roman will come in and claim this as Asclepius's pool. Mm-hmm. This is where healing takes place with this water. And it's interesting that the first person that we know of by history and by Bible that's healed is this man of infirmities, and it's not as clippus, it's Jesus that's doing it. Mm-hmm. So that's just important little details that John is pointing out to us in this in this chapter as, as we look at that.
1: And I think we even said this in the first episode too, but as clippus, we, we keep throwing that name around, but that is not, you're not going to find that in the text. No. But that is, again, when we're asking who who is the audience, who is this being written to, who's, who's the audience, um, you're we're asking questions. Who? What was the culture? What you know? Yeah. What was going on at that time? And why? Why is the the pool so important? And why is why was water and healing? Why did they go together? Yeah. And if you do some of your research, or if you just come and listen here, yeah. you find out that Asclepius is the, a Greek, Greek,
0: Greek god. god. Yep. Greek god. yep. A Greek god that the Romans adopted. Yes. Yep. And so obviously Rome is the predominant. Power at this point, in John's life, but Hellen Hellenism, the Greek culture touch, yeah. is still touching them, yeah. and so you know. You, 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 again, you know, just trying to emphasize this: Matthew was words, Mark was works, Luke was chronology, John's conflict. So we have the conflict of creation, John chapter one. We have the conflict of embarrassment: no water, or excuse me, no yeah. wine. Uh, We have the conflict of birth, uh, of spiritual birth, Nicodemus. We have the conflict of the Samaritan woman. Who was she? What did she do? Now we have this conflict here of healing from water that Jesus says, no, I'm the healer. And so, again, if we just kind of contain to the idea, the purpose of what's being written, it's going to help us with the who, what, why, where, and when type stuff.
1: Um, I have another question, too. So you kind of hit on this on Sunday morning, um, but it also says when it's kind of breaking everything down, it says something about... He's had this infirmity for thirty eight years. Yes. Number one, why would John include that? Yep. Um, why is you know, these are the questions we asked. Why did he why did John think it was important for us to know that? Just what you know, and then you had kind of said this too, you'd kinda of alluded to the thirty eight years that the Israelites spent in the wilderness. Yes.
0: So there's a couple ideas and, and allow me to approach this first of all from kind of an eastern our our point of view, our eastern eyes Western,
1: Western eyes.
0: Yeah, our Western excuse me. Yes, I yeah. always say that. Yeah, I get them backwards sometimes. But our Western eyes, yeah. Because typically you hear pastors, teachers, 40 years of wandering, right? 40 years in the wilderness. Yeah, that's how I was taught. Jewish people break it down in two and 38. So two years goes from the time the plagues ended, the crossing of the Red Sea, to the moment of Mount Sinai before they go into Kadesh. Mm-hmm. The, year, the 38 years go from K-Dish to the Promised Land. So you have approximately two years from the Red Sea crossing to Mount Sinai experiences. And then you have 38 years from the Mount Sinai into K-Dish where we say wandering. Now let's put our Western eyes on. So we have these two years of griping and complaining. We gripe at the Red Sea because God brought us out here to, to dig our graves and, and bury us. So we're going to die by the hands of the Egyptians. They were in a gorge. Yeah. So they had this huge mountain. They had this Red Sea or Reed Sea, would depend upon
1: yeah.
0: who, 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 the geography at the moment. And that's a different podcast for a different day. Yeah, but needless to say, God brings in this wind. that separates. They go over on dry land. He, he, dry land. he drowns the Egyptian army. They sing a song. They're off again. They go to the bitter waters of tomorrow. God puts a branch over. They put a branch in. They turn sweet. They can drink it. Now they're happy again. Moses is on the mountain. He's getting the Ten Commandments. The people are like, where's Moses? He's been gone 40 days. So Aaron does this weird thing. Gets everybody's earrings, nose rings, whatever. Puts them in a pot. Poof. Out comes his golden calf. Did it really happen that way? I don't know. I'm just telling you how the scripture says it does. You know,
1: Do we have questions
0: with you know, right. questions. Yeah, god. you know, it's like, hey, you know, how does some just proof happen? But it goes back to an Egyptian idea. It goes back to Egyptian mindset. Mm-hmm. And I think what what Moses is trying to get us to understand was the people were more comfortable with the god of Egypt than they were with a god that was breaking them free from Egypt. Sure. And so, there are sometimes our questions are good, but sometimes our questions are based upon
1: our Western eyes, our Western
0: eyes compared to what Eastern eyes would have been. And so. Moses comes down, and all of a sudden, the tribe of Levi steps up, and they help Moses, and they kill 3,000 Israelites. Forgiveness is gone, done. God says, I'm, not, I'm I'm done. I'm done with Israel. And at one point, he tells Moses, he says, I'll just, I'll just kill them all, and we'll start over with you. <laughs> Moses is 80 years old, you know, probably about 82 at this point. And Moses, again, this is another podcast for another day, but Moses says... What would Egypt say? What would the people say who have watched this, that you have done this, but you're now going to annihilate them because they're not following you and they're not obeying you? And God says, okay, you can go, but I'm not going with you. And Moses says, if you don't go, we don't go. Mm-hmm. And Moses is being a shepherd. He's shepherding the people. He's shepherding. Uh, he's even, and to some extent, he, he's, he's bringing God along with them in, in, in this essence. And so they have now 38 years of understanding 38 years of wonder, not what, not wandering, but yeah. understanding who God is. Now, let me, let me bring you to the Red Sea again. And let me bring you to the river of Jericho yeah. or uh, the Jordan River. Complaint. God says at the, at the Red Sea, Reed Sea, God says, wait, I'll bring a wind, go over on dry land. The flooded river of Jordan, God says, step into it. Mm-hmm. And when you touch it, I'll break it. I'll break you free. But there's not one complaint. There's not one complaint. Why
1: do you think
0: that is? I think they understood God. Yeah. I think the 38 years taught them who God was, who God wasn't. I think they fell in love with God. I think they fell in love with who God, what, what God was going to do for them. And so when they come at the end, we, we have a song at the Red Sea, right, or Red Sea. Mm-hmm. And then at the uh, flooded Jordan River, we have stones, mm-hmm. 12 stones. If you go to the book of First Peter, he says, Our lives are to be a living stone. So when Joshua said, what are these stones for? He says, for future generations, when they come see this, and they say, what mean you by these stones? We're going to tell them about what God did for us. That's understanding. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's why John's talking about these 38 years. We don't know this man's life. But maybe these 38 years have been 38 years of understanding. Mm -hmm. Maybe they've been 38 years of him in this infirmity, not being able to work, not having a social network where he has all the stuff that's given to him. But sitting at the pool of Bethesda, waiting for a pagan God, waiting for a pagan healing. That's not gonna happen. Yeah. And he's just sitting there thinking, 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 understanding things. So when Jesus comes at thirty eight years, do you want to be healed? Yeah. What's the only thing the man can say? Well, there's no one to take me to the water. I didn't ask about the water.
1: I, I think that parallel, that was so interesting to me when you mentioned that on Sunday. I've just I've never thought of the Israelites in the 38 years of understanding. And again, these are just new, new terms of, we have, we have a new picture now, you know, when we yeah. were, we were kind of growing up, it was 40 years. They wandered in the, in the desert. Like they were then, lost. Yeah. Like they were lost. They, there was no purpose. There was no intent and something that we, we learned that, it, you know, that's just, again, a new, new picture that we have that we just, again, things just get a little bit clearer is that it was, it was 38 years of
0: Understanding. Yeah. If God led them by a cloud, pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, they were never lost. Yeah. They were never lost. They were never at a point where God's like, where are you? Or they were never at a point where like is God, where are you? They they we have God's word today, right? Mm-hmm. But one of the things people say about today is, Well, how do we know God's there? I don't think in those thirty eight years that question ever came up. They needed they needed food, God brought manna. Yeah. When they complained about manna, they brought in quail. You know, need water, he broke a rock open, and water came out. You know, it's just, there was clear identification of God. So our use of word wandering, I think, has come in because they, they traveled in, throughout the area of Kadesh. Mm-hmm. But in their mind, they were learning who God was. And, and it comes back to you and I, we all have a process of growth. I mean, this is what this podcast is for. Yes, people can listen to Sundays. People can be in church, but it's Monday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What did yesterday's message have to do with my job, have to do with my, you know, my case, my wife, your case, your husband? What's it do with my kids? What's it do with uh, this community? Yeah. has everything to do with it. You know, you know one of the things we, we learned in Israel, you know, is who came out of Egypt, right? Mm-hmm. We all did. All of us. All of us. And I, and I think maybe Jesus is here and he's looking at this guy who has this infirmity and we and again I'm just I'm just kind of putting in my own two cents here it's not in the scripture but it's almost like did you come out of Egypt yeah we all did yeah and I'm like get up and walk yeah I'm your God I'm on the pillar of cloud by day I'm the pillar of fire by night I'm I'm the one who brought uh order to the chaos I'm the one who brings sweetness to the embarrassment I'm the one who brings life from death. I'm the one who can bring healing to you. I brought identity to this relationship with God. And I think this is all coming into, in this moment, in this conflict here at the pool of Bethesda.
1: Yeah. And I I have so you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm reaching here, but I, I just, I love anytime we see just parallel in in the Bible of what time, you know, just different stories that are right side by side. And, you know, we see the 38 years, 38 years. Here's the, the man at the, at the, Pool of Bethesda, and then we have the Israelites, and I'm just asking for the what's the next step after that of the Israelites? We're ready to go into the promised mm-hmm. land, and before we even follow that little train, I've also heard it when when Jesus is asking, "Do you want to be healed?" Mm-hmm. is more you know obviously the physical healing, yes, but I've also heard it too of like he's also kind of inadvertently asking the question of, "Are you ready to? Are you ready to be healed in the sense of are you ready to foster that healing or?" You know, I think he would even said at one point too that being lame or be having like an infirmity um that was actually something like they had professional beggars back then like that was your job and for him to be and you can correct me if that was wrong um but for him to be asked are you ready to be healed for that man saying I've I've done I've just been laying here for 38 years or for whatever it is and once I'm healed does that mean I'm going to go get a new job? Does that mean, you know, how, how are you going to foster that healing?
0: I don't know about professional beggars. They had professional mourners. Oh, that's right. That's mourners. Right. Um, but you bring oh, up an God. interesting point. We, we talk about the 38 years of understanding. Mm-hmm. But this man doesn't know Jesus. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't know Jesus' name. Yeah. So it's it's like here's this guy who's been 38 years thinking, thinking, thinking. Do you want to be healed? He's healed, but when the Pharisees come and say, "Who told you to take up your bed and walk?" He said, "I don't know. I have no idea who it is." So when the, so so now Jesus Jesus comes and coming back to, to the question you're asking here, uh, verse fourteen. Afterward, Jesus finds him in the temple and said unto him, "Behold, thou art made whole. You've been healed physically." So then he says. Sin no war lest the worst thing come unto thee. This is something people have grabbed onto and said, Well, he must have done some sort of sin to cause this. But if you bring it all the Bible into context, that's not what Jesus is saying. Yeah. Jesus is saying, Do you want a spiritual healing too? See, we all can have physical healings. There's been people who have been healed of cancer. There's people whose bones have been broken, have been mended, but that doesn't mean they're spiritually healed. And I think Jesus is like saying, Listen, I'm Jesus, I'm the great physician, I'm the healer. Know me. And so he says, sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. You know, Darby, what is the worst thing that can happen in this world? Well, we die. Mm-hmm. But what's the worst thing that can happen in the next world? We die without Christ. Mm-hmm. And I think Jesus is saying, listen, there's something worse that can happen than the affirmative 38 years. You can go on living this way, healed physically, but not spiritually. Yeah. And so what is the man's response? This is the reason why we say we don't know. Because yeah. in the very next verse, verse 15, the man departed. What did he do he told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him whole physically yeah he answered the question physically he never answered the question spiritually mm-hmm. and maybe that's where we bring this can maybe to a close today in the essence of where are you at you know what's your next step yeah because your next step may be like this man where you've got to come to a healing yes you may have been healed physically you maybe never had any kind of problems, mm-hmm. but you need to heal spiritually and Jesus is that answer
1: whether that's for you or there's a, a healing that needs to happen and broken parts of your family. You know, that just, there. I think that we, you know, we when that happens with us in our own lives too, that that goes around to, that it, it just affects the people in our lives. Yeah.
0: And it goes back to maybe this man's 38 years was wandering. Mm-hmm. Jesus tried to bring him to understanding where the 38 years for the Israelites was knowing and we see the major difference, they chose God. Yeah. And we pray you choose God as well.
1: as we're as we're getting ready to end um go ahead please ask your questions if there are things that even that we talked about like can you just like can you just go back and and rewind that please ask your questions and we'll answer them best as we can but we're praying for you guys throughout the week and we're just praying that you guys will take your guys next steps
0: yes thank you for watching